The Playful Psychologist podcast is hosted by me, Emily Hanlon, a clinical psychologist who primarily works with children and adolescents. This podcast has been designed to offer support to new psychologists who may feel as though they are drowning in uncertainty. It has also been designed to inform and educate parents and teachers on all things child development. Along with some special guests, I explore different aspects of child development, including developmental disorders and emotional regulation, while also advocating for those who may be falling through the cracks in our current system. Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new season of the Playful Psychologist podcast. I'm so excited, um, you know, to be back and be able to have more chats with you guys and, and you know, discuss topics that I think are really, really important. Um, so today I really wanted to chat about emotion coaching and maybe work through the steps of emotion coaching. It's something that I think um, is really, really important. It's something that I, I personally try and be an emotion, emotion coaching parent. Um, and yeah, so I wanted to discuss the steps of that with you. So for those of you who aren't aware, emotion coaching is helping children understand the different emotions they experience, why those feelings occur, and kind of how to manage them. So in really, really simple terms, it's helping or coaching your child through feelings by comforting them, listening to them, showing empathy, understanding their thoughts and feelings, and really, really helping them understand what's going on for them. Now, emotion coaching was created by, um, uh, well, not created by, but identified by John Gottman, who is an incredible psychologist. Um, He has a really good book called Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child, which I rave on and on about. I swear um, that's not sponsored. I just love his stuff. And he also has a really epic online course that I think is on sale at the moment for $59. If you Google the Gottman Institute, you can definitely check that out. So if you listen to today's episode and you want to learn more, definitely check out the those two resources. But what is really, really cool about emotion coaching is that um, you don't have to be, Gottman says that we don't have to be an emotion coaching parent all the time. Even if we emotion coach our children 40% of the time, and then, you know, we lose it every now and then with them, that's still enough to raise an emotionally intelligent child, which I think is really, really awesome. So there are five steps um, to emotion coaching. And I thought in today's episode, I'd just run through them with you. So the five steps are recognizing the emotion, acknowledging the struggle and empathizing, normalizing the emotion, naming the emotion and setting limits and helping with problem solving. So let's start at step one, which is recognizing the emotion. So what I mean by this is emotions come and go. We just can't dismiss them. They are there to be felt. They're there to be known. And they provide us with really valuable information on how a child interacts with their environment. So what does that mean? What that means is children can have really extreme emotional outbursts to really small triggers. Um, You know, if you help them put on their shoes or that you peeled their banana, but they wanted the peel on the banana, stuff like that. Instead of getting frustrated with them, we really need to help them regulate. And the first step to doing that is helping them recognize their feelings. So you could say something like, wow, I can see you're having some really big feelings about this. Or you could say something like, I can see that your fists are really clenched. That must mean you're having some big feelings right now. And why this is an important step is because helping a child recognize that they are experiencing big emotions is really important. It also lets them know that we're being really attentive to their situation and they're not alone in their experiences. We're not dismissing them, we're hearing them and we're understanding. 
The second step is acknowledging the struggle and empathizing with them. And doing this really helps us intervene before the emotion becomes too big. So you may have, you know, seen with your own child or any child in the past sometimes when they're when they're in that peak emotional experience or peak meltdown there's not much you can do to help bring them down until they ride that out so I guess this step is trying to get in there and nip it before it gets too big Um, and that kind of involves working through the feeling with the child So as you notice that a child is showing signs of big emotions, we can ask them questions for further clarification. So you could ask them something like, what's upsetting you right now? Or how are you feeling right now? It's really important here to use a calm, slow, quiet tone of voice, because that helps the child understand that we aren't judging them. Um, We're just trying to understand what's going on for them. So following this, you could say something like, oh, you're feeling angry right now. Okay, got it. I'm really sorry that this is making you feel so angry angry where are you feeling the anger in your body or you could say something like I'm so sorry that you're feeling so angry when I feel angry my face feels really hot and my heart beats really fast where do you feel anger in your body So I guess the purpose here is to let the child know that you understand that they're not alone. And this really makes them feel safer with the emotion. Um, We could use other language as well here, like this is difficult or ouch, that must have really hurt. Um, But here, it's also important to remember that if the child isn't able to identify the emotion and express it verbally, you can use visuals here, Um, you know, visual cards like my ABC cards, visual charts, a poster, anything like that. Then we get to step three, which is normalizing the emotion. So here it's really important to remember that there is a big difference between dismissing the child's experience and normalizing it for them. So it's really important to be mindful of that distinction. Normalizing the emotion is, you know, here we want to communicate an acknowledgement that they're not alone. We're in it together in feeling those difficult emotions. So you could say something like, that's a pretty normal feeling to have in this situation. I think in a similar situation, other children would feel that way too. Or if it feels appropriate, you could relay it back to your own experiences. So you could say something like, oh, you know what, when I was a little younger and that happened to me, I actually felt really upset too, or I felt really angry too. Or if that happened to me, I think I would feel really angry. So the key here is to normalize the emotion and not the behavior. So before we move on to step four, I just really want to discuss a couple of things. So normalizing the emotion would be giving a bit of empathy and going, yeah, man, I think another kid would feel the same way in that situation. Dismissing it would be, oh, there's no need to feel angry in that situation. It's totally fine. Whatever. Let's, Let's move on. See the difference? One is normalizing, one is dismissing, and we need to be mindful of the distinction. When I said before as well that we the key here is to normalize the emotion and not the behavior, you'll notice that right up until this point and even the next step, we aren't focusing on the behavior as well. And if you followed me for a while, you know that it'll probably say on my bloody gravestone, you never have to agree with behavior. You don't have to like it. You don't have to anything with it, but you always must empathize with the emotion. Um, Just as we would expect people to empathize with our feelings, we need to do that with kids. So here you normalize the emotion, but we're not yet focusing on the behavior or normalizing the behavior. Then we get to step four, which is naming the emotion. So sometimes you may have already done this in step one or step two when we're recognizing the feelings, but it's important because up until this point, we've guided children to understanding their body and the experience of the emotion, but sometimes we don't get 
them to name it up until this point. So being aware of the emotion and naming it is a really, really gentle way to show children that they are not the emotion. They are not an angry child. They are not a worried child. They are separate from that. The emotion is only one part of them. It absolutely does not define them. And we really need to show children that they are an observer to that emotion and not the emotion themselves, because that can kind of create a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And we really don't want that. So children have a really limited vocab of feeling words, especially if we're talking about younger kids. So again, like I mentioned before, it may be really helpful to use visuals that they can point to or give them a few verbal prompts. So if you're using visuals, you may hold up a few feelings faces and say something like, which of the feelings on these cards do you think you're experiencing? And let's say they point at angry, you would say, oh, that's right. You're feeling angry. Right. Got it. So this situation has made you feel angry. If you're giving verbal prompts, you may say something like, has this situation made you feel worried or angry? Oh, okay. It's made you feel angry. Thank you for letting me know. So here, even though we may be guiding the child and prompting them, we're really hoping that they'll be able to name the emotion by themselves. That's really important. And step five is setting limits and helping with problem solving. So here is where we start to focus on the behavior that may have arisen in the situation. But remember, we can empathize with the emotion without necessarily agreeing with the behavior. So the biggest lesson to come out of emotion coaching is for kids to understand that it's not the feeling that is the problem and we're not angry or upset with them for experiencing a feeling. It's how they responded to the feeling. In other words, their reaction. And this is where true emotional regulation really takes place. We now at this step have to help children notice their feelings and act in a way that's not only helpful and adaptive, but also really constructive. For example, instead of saying, something like you should never hit anyone that was so naughty you could try something like I know you're feeling really angry at your brother because he took your toy but it is not okay to use our hands when we are angry what are some other ways that we can show anger that keeps everyone around us safe and then at that point you can brainstorm different regulation strategies with them and work on choosing the ones that work best for this particular child so that's you know If you own my ABC coping cards, that's where that may come in handy so that they have visuals and they can choose regulation strategies and they can practice and use them to see what may work best for them. Helping the child explore possible situations or solutions by asking gentle questions such as, what does this feeling need now? Or what other ways can we help you deal with this? Or what advice would you give to a friend if they were experiencing this? Or what would you do next time? Those sorts of questions really allow the child to understand how this situation can be resolved in a positive way. So all of that being said, I'm completely mindful, especially now that I'm a parent myself, that it is not always possible to remain cool, calm and collected and work through those five steps, you know, every time a child has a a bit of a, a wobbly. But what's really important to remember, like I mentioned at the beginning, is the more consistent we are with this, the more children will be able to understand this. And if we aren't able to emotion coach them or we do have a bit of a rupture in that relationship, it's okay because for the most part, we're working through emotions with them. And I am a huge fan of reminding parents that it is okay to rupture and repair. What I mean by that is if you and your child have a moment where you're not, you reflect on it and you're not entirely, you know, proud of how you help 
handled the situation, you can always go back and talk them through it and use that as an experience to show them, you know, mummy had a big feeling that probably wasn't the way to act. I'm really, really sorry for screaming at you. Maybe next time mummy might try this. And that is what we call rupture and repair. We had a bit of a rupture, but it's okay because we're talking through it. We're working through it and we're fixing it. And, you know, sometimes it is really important and really adaptive for kids to be able to see that, you know, mum and dad are humans too. And mum and dad may have big feelings, but it's always what we do with those feelings and how we try and resolve the situation for next time. Anyways, that was a really, really quick summary of the, st- the five steps of emotion coaching. I really hope you guys found that useful. Like I said, um, Gottman has a lot of stuff on his website, which I will link in the episode notes for today's episode. And he also has that epic book. My Understanding Emotions workshop also covers this stuff, which will be run again in um, probably February 2022, I'm thinking. So if you would like to flick me an email, um, you can email me at theplayfulpsychologist at gmail.com and I can put you on my wait list for when that course becomes available. Anyways, I hope you guys have a great week and I'll chat to you next time. See you later.